you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Revival is already here. And I am a witness of what God is doing. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 I see these young people here in the front. This past week, Brother Evan, several of these young people have been meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Friday and Saturday. Six o'clock right here. If you want to join them, just see Brother Evan. He'll connect you. They've been having an early morning prayer. Anytime you begin to pray, God's going to move. Expect miracles to happen. Expect this youth group to begin to explode in growth. Thank this music team for leading us tonight. I give honor to Pastor Phelps, my newly acquainted friend only a few months ago we met and I appreciate him so very much and thankful for our friendship he always told me he was going to come and be with us and he texted me this morning after I was pulling out of the drive and said he was going to be here tonight and of course I told him to come on and I was thinking oh Lord I want him to come on one of those nights we got everybody here we got people out scattered all over the country But we're glad you're here, Brother Phelps. God bless you. Welcome. Thank you for being at CLC on this Sunday evening. And to all the rest of you, God bless you. To our special guests that are with us tonight, thank you, Brittany. Good to see you. Glad you're here. To all of you that are here, the many guests that uh, have joined us tonight and online, thank you for being uh, with us in service tonight. I'm going to take your attention to the book of Colossians, the first chapter And I want to commend you and thank you to those of you, I don't take this lightly, to those of you who drive in to service, you drive from out of town, and you make the commitment to be here and to be faithful. It means so much to me. And this morning, I don't ask you every week to make special, special uh, attempt to be in the house of the Lord, but I did today. I, I reached out yesterday via social media. I announced this morning, I reached out this afternoon 
because I felt that I had a word for this church tonight and I want to encourage you. And uh, I felt that the church needed to be here. And here's the deal. I can't help folks that don't want to be here. But you're here tonight under, my dad used to say it like this, under the spout where the glory comes out. And I'm glad you're in the house tonight and glad God is with us. And I believe God wants to speak to us tonight. Colossians, the first chapter and beginning with verse number two in Colossians chapter one, remember writing to the church in Colossae, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard, everybody say they heard. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. I want you just to take that tab right there and just put it right here on your screen, all right? And let's get back to it. But I want you to hold that. They heard of the, they heard of their faith in Jesus Christ and of the love which ye have to all the saints. There was a testimony of them that they had heard of their faith in Jesus Christ and their love for all the saints. Verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Don't you thank the Lord for truth? Verse 7, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister of Christ who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Watch now that window we put over there on the, on the screen on the side. Remember, he said, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints, they heard about it. And then he says in verse 7 that you have learned from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is your faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. I read this about two weeks ago and fireworks went off inside my little brain. And it began, I knew there was something here and I began to pray and ask God to seek God for what he was trying to speak. And by the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach a message from this title, What Would Epaphras Say? about this church. What would Epaphras say 
about this church. We want to hear from the Lord tonight. I know we go through these routines, but right now, would you pray? And here's what, before you pray, I want to tell you what we're going to pray for. First of all, I want you to pray that God would open our minds to receive what he's wanting to speak. I also want you to pray for me tonight, your servant, in this pulpit tonight. I preached through this morning. As you know, I've been battling with sickness. Today's been a rough day. And I need a touch. If the Lord will give me about however many minutes you're going to pray for for healing. Lord, healing for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long you want to pray for. I need the Lord to heal me that long. And that's how long I'm going to preach tonight, all right? If he heals me totally and you get with me, I'll try not to preach too terribly long. But I need prayer for healing in my body and strength in my body tonight. And I need the word of the Lord to come forth with power, authority, and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Now, would you pray that with me right now? All over this room right now, extend your hand toward heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we release healing in this room. I receive it right now by the power and authority of the Word of God. Lord, I speak healing and wholeness over my body right now. And God, I believe the Word of the Lord is going to come forth with power and anointing upon the hearts of every mind and every believer. Right now, in the name of Jesus, let your power and let your spirit be released in this room room in Jesus name in the name of Jesus somebody help me give God praise in this room right now Lord you're worthy Lord you're worthy Lord you're worthy I honor you I honor you I honor you in Jesus name in Jesus name all right turn to two people by you and ask them what would Epaphras say about this church I know you're struggling. Epaphras, Epaphras. Epaphras is mentioned three times in the New Testament, twice in Colossians and once in Philemon or Philemon, however you choose to pronounce. He was a follower of Jesus Christ who served with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul referred to him as a fellow servant, faithful minister, a servant of Jesus Christ. His name and Paul's comment in Colossians indicates that Epaphras was perhaps a Gentile. We also surmise that he was from Colossae in Asia Minor since his name appears in the letter to the church there and Paul says, that he is one of you when he spoke to the church in Colossae. That is, of course, in the region of what we know as Greece. According to Paul's writings, his first Roman imprisonment, Epaphras was the one who shared the gospel with the Colossians and possibly uh, started the Colossian church there in Colossae. Paul speaks of the day that you heard the gospel and received the truth. That is a powerful day when you hear the gospel and receive the truth. Somebody ought to say amen. And he reminds them of the learning that they received and understanding 
that they received from this man with a strange name that you don't hear much about, which is what caught my attention. And I thought, maybe there's something about this guy that would be interesting. And so I began to study the life and try to begin to understand what I could about the man named Epaphras. Epaphras traveled to Rome to visit the Apostle Paul, telling Paul all about the church in Colossae, the church perhaps that he had started, established, or was at least one of the teachers, powerful teachers and leaders, because the Apostle Paul said everything you learned about the gospel and about truth came from Epaphras, it came from him. And he said, also, there's something else that we learned about you. This is Paul writing in our text. He said, there is something else that I learned about you, and that is that I learned about your love in the spirit for the saints of God and for us, the Apostle Paul speaking of himself and the other apostles that were with him. In his letter, the Apostle Paul told the Colossians about how Epaphras cared deeply for their spiritual growth and their maturity in the gospel. Epaphras had committed to praying for the Colossian church always, he says, always wrestling in prayer for them. How many of you know what he means when he says he was wrestling in prayer for them? Epaphras desired for the Colossian Christians to stand firm in their faith to grow and to become mature. He was leading them. He was teaching them. And he, of course, was telling the world about this little city that is stuck over in the corner. It wasn't Athens. It wasn't Rome. It was Colossae, a little small city, small town at the time, stuck over in the corner of Asia Minor, Greece, if you please. And there he is telling them all. But let me tell you about the church in Colossae. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's talk about the church in Rome. Let's talk about the church in Athens, but he says, no, I don't want to hear about the church. I don't want to hear what's going on in Thessaloniki. I, I want to tell you about the church in Colossae. And Epaphras began to share with him about the great love of this little seemingly insignificant city and the church there. And he began to tell the apostle Paul about the love of these wonderful people, how they love loved God and loved truth and loved one another and they loved the apostles and they loved the doctrine. And aside from this letter to the Colossians, Epaphras' name shows up in Paul's personal letter to Philemon or Philemon. Like Colossians, Paul wrote to Philemon during his first imprisonment in Rome. Epaphras had apparently been imprisoned with the apostle Paul while he was visiting him in Rome because the apostle Paul said, Epaphras, my fellow 
prisoner in Jesus Christ. Now, whether he was talking about being a bond and, and a, a bond servant or not, I, I do not know, but I take it from here that perhaps he would have been imprisoned with the Apostle Paul where he was imprisoned in Rome. Now, tradition and extra-biblical resources teach that Epaphras eventually returned to Colossae where he remained a faithful servant to them and God and was later martyred. I have no Bible for that, so for those of you that don't care to know about those details, it's extra-biblical and it's just something that I found through study and reading. The descriptions of Epaphras are very significant though. Our dear fellow servant, he declares, stay with me now, he says, thy dear fellow servant, a faithful minister of Christ, a servant of Jesus Christ, always wrestling in prayer and working so very hard in the kingdom. That's how the apostle Paul gave the description of Epaphras, not a bad thing to be said about a fellow labor in, in the kingdom of God. A brief sketch Paul provides shows that the apostle thought very highly of his uh, fellow worker and this follower and fellow labor in the kingdom of God. Epaphras demonstrated a strong faith, a rich prayer life, a boldness in sharing the gospel even at the risk of suffering and being imprisoned and, and, and he had deep care for those whom he had invested in very deeply. Epaphras was probably not the first name that comes to mind when we think of Bible characters, but he faithfully served Jesus Christ. But I want to point out that his testimony of the love of the people that he served uh, and their love for the Apostle Paul is remarkable. This is where I'm going to now if you'll just stay with me a few more moments in this foundation. How would the story of the early church possibly have changed if the testimony of those who labored beside the Apostle Paul chose rather to point out every fault and every failure and every flaw instead of saying, I, I listen now, Epaphras uh, was their pastor. He knew that there was some faults and he knew there was some failure and he knew there was some weaknesses. He could have come to the Apostle Paul and said, let me tell you about the church I pastor. Now it's full of a bunch of carnal saints. It's full of a bunch of people that don't want to serve God and live. But that's not how Epaphras comes to the Apostle Paul. He comes and overlooks every weakness and every struggle. He, he overlooks every downfall and every sin that was going on in the church. He acted like they were saints and walked on water. He comes to the Apostle Paul. He said, let me tell you about their continuous love for the things of God. Let me tell you about their love for the church. Let me tell you about their love for truth. Let me tell you about their love for doctrine. Let me tell you about their love for worship. Let me tell you about their love, Paul, that they, that, that they have for you. Paul, I got to tell you about these people that I go to church with. They are wonderful people. They love one another. They love God. God and they love you. 
there he could have said all of these other things, but not Epaphras. Epaphras only told Paul about their love. Now, I've spent all my life in church. I was born, my dad was a pastor. I grew up on a church pew. It's all I've ever known. I've heard throughout my 54 years of living, I've heard a lot of people talk about the church. And most of them, when they talk about the church, they point out what's wrong with the church. Ain't nobody going to help the preacher tonight. Through the centuries, Christians have often been told what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with the people. And and Satan would like for us to focus on our shortcomings, but we would do well to reflect upon all that which is well within the church body. Mm, This past week, I had to just delete somebody. You know, Facebook has a delete button. I I, I told my wife, I said, I had a victory today. She said, what was it? I said, I deleted somebody that I once uh, was in fellowship with. I just deleted them because she said, who was it? And I said, I don't even want to tell you who it was. It doesn't matter. But every time I see them post, all I see them is posting against the church, posting against the people of God, talking about what's wrong with religion. Religion, what's wrong with the church? What's wrong with everybody and every critical of everything that's going on? I said, I don't have time to be discouraged by the negativity of somebody. Give me somebody that'll come stand by their pastor and say, Come on, pastor, there's more for you than against you. There's people that love truth, there's people that love righteousness, there's people that love to worship, that love to pray, that love to serve God. There's people that love God and love you and love the community. Give me a little time now. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I got a lot of preaching left to do tonight. Fine, I'm feeling better. Some of you prayed for a long-winded message tonight. Finding fault with the church has become a common topic for modern men. College students debate it. Theologians analyze it. Ministers are perplexed by it. Laymen wonder about it while not denying that there are problems within the church. We need to be more like Epaphras and strike a positive note about the church. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost up in this house tonight. I'm feeling my freedom and liberty to preach what I feel in my spirit tonight. The world needs to hear what's going right around the church. If you don't have something positive to say, zip your lip and keep it to yourself. But when you speak about God's church, you're talking about his bride you need to say they love God they love the truth and they love one another and they love you that's right the world today needs to hear about a church that's doing it right Everywhere I look, all these people assuming all these memes if it says it if they can find a Facebook meme it must be true. And they post this garbage and pop psychology and stuff that comes from all sorts of backgrounds. I looked at somebody in the church the other day posting something that sounds so profound. I looked down and it said something like wizards and warlocks. It sounded spiritual. It was. 
but it wasn't biblically based. You better be careful what you are associating with. I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm going to preach about this in about two or three weeks. Get ready for that. I'll get back to that. But right now, let me tell you, you need to be careful what you say about the church. It is the bride of Christ. If I was to ask you tonight, now, what's wrong with the church? I'd get a lot of hands. Well, Pastor, your mic's too loud tonight. Well, my voice is gone. It doesn't bother me one bit. If you come in here with earplugs, you go right ahead on. I'm still going to preach. Nobody ever comes to me and says, Pastor, I need a meeting with you. And when I go sit down with them, they say, Pastor, I was in town the other day. And I heard some people talking about you and the church. Is that right? When that happens, I usually kind of sink in, take a deep breath and say, Lord, help me not to take this moment personal. Let me hold up the shield of faith where which I will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Because I'm about to get some darts thrown at me. And they say, well, you know, everybody is talking. Everybody you talking to. I was in town the other day, Pastor. I heard some people talking about you and the church. And and you won't believe what they're saying. Well, I probably will. They were talking about how much your church loves God. They were talking about, I was sitting in a restaurant, just heard them, Pastor. And they were talking, they were talking about people loving one another. And they were talking about all the good your church is doing and the neighbors in the church is doing. And they're talking about the blessings of being part of such an amazing church. And they're talking about how good God is and talking about how good you are. Stop it some more. That didn't ever happen to me. I've been in this thing my whole life. I never had anybody want to call a meeting with me to sit down and tell me what they are hearing that is going right with the church. But I have had more than my share of people that want to come and sit down and talk to me about what they think is going wrong. Mm, Lord, help me tonight. Jesus, be offense. All around me every day. But everyone is a specialist in what is going wrong with the church. And it seems like nobody is seeing what's going right with the church before we go out into the community. I'm speaking to the saved church tonight. There's a lot of folks not here. I'm just taking it for granted. I'm speaking to the saved church tonight. But if I may speak to the saved church tonight, before we go out into the community and before you get on that social media account, you need to pray and make sure that you strike a positive tone about God, about the church, about your neighbor, 
neighbor, about your brothers, all of this passive aggressive mess that people do that pulls people back. God have mercy. I'm going to preach it anyway. You need to make sure that you pray through and say, I'm throwing that mess aside. When I speak, I'm going to speak like Epaphras would speak. God is good. The people love God. My church is going well. My God is good. We, we need to show the world that there is something vital and valuable about our God, about our doctrine, about our church, about our pastor. I don't normally preach for the pastor, but I ain't got nobody else going to get up here and preach for me. So I'm going to get up here and preach for myself for a few minutes tonight. Did I hit a stump? We need to strike a positive chord about our brothers and sisters. If you want to talk about what's wrong in their house, you might better get a big mirror and look what's wrong in your house before you start talking about what's wrong in their house. Your criticism is a choice. You can either get up and talk about what's wrong or you can get up and talk about what's right. There's something good in everybody. There's something good you can find in everybody. Don't speak what's wrong. Speak what's right. Don't speak what what, where, where their weakness is. Speak where their strength is. I didn't come to this pulpit tonight to play around. And I didn't come to this pulpit tonight to, to, to ask the backslider what they are saying about the church. We already know what the backslider is going to say about the church. I, I didn't come to ask all the people on the fringe of the church to, uh, what they're saying about the church because they're only concerned with what they're getting out of the church. I didn't come tonight to ask what the church down the street is saying about this church because they're going to magnify the differences between us. I didn't come to ask the carnal people what they're thinking about the church because all they're going to talk about is the benefits of their membership and they would sell out to a church offering 9% tithing. I'm not asking those people. Some of you find that funny when you get home. I'm not asking for those that are here only looking for their big break and their big opportunity or their position or their title or their parking spot. I'm looking for an Epaphras. I'm looking for someone to tell me what's going right and what's going good and their love for the church and the church's love that they see for one another. Watch this now. Epaphras believed the apostles' doctrine because he believed exactly what the apostle Paul preached and taught because he was willing to go to jail with him over what he was preaching and teaching. He believed the one God message. He believed the apostle Paul, what the apostle Paul believed. He believed in holiness and righteousness and godliness. I don't know what you're thinking about tonight, but I want to know what Epaphras is going to say about this church. Watch this now. Epaphras likely started the church in Colossae, but his name's only mentioned three times in the whole Bible. We get upset if our name's not mentioned. 
We're concerned about our position. We have to summarize what his position is because he's mentioned so loosely in Scripture. It doesn't call him an apostle. It doesn't call him a disciple. All it calls him is a labor. But yet we learn through study that probably he was one of the apostles that was carrying this gospel into the next generation. He was a second generation apostle. This never mentioned. His name's never mentioned. He's a church planner. He's a teacher. He's a Bible study teacher. He's a soul winner. But nobody's talking about his name. Watch. Epaphras was a f- close friend of the Apostle Paul's to the point that the Apostle Paul mentions him by name and they go to jail together because he visits the Apostle Paul when he's in a very dangerous situation. It was Epaphras that ran to the rescue. You can tell because friends run from you when you get in trouble. But real friends will run to you. And let me tell you what the friends of this world will do. They'll run from you when you get in trouble. But let me talk to you about the church. There's some folks in this church when I get in trouble. My wife said yesterday, that's who I make my first phone call to. I want to make my phone call. Hey, trouble hit in my home. I got speed dial. I'm calling some people that know how to pray, that know how to fast, that know how to seek God because I have confidence in you. I believe in you. I trust you. I know that you're going to pray for me. I know you're not not just going to say on social media I'm praying but when you say I'm praying you're going to get on your knees and call on heaven close friend of the apostle Paul but Epaphras has never found name dropping he was sold out to the faith he was sold out to doctrine he was productive in the kingdom of God as a matter of fact Epaphras sounds a whole lot like a lot of you in this room right here tonight because there's some good people in this room tonight oh pastor you saying we're a perfect church absolutely not but if you want to talk about what's wrong you go on outside and get off the church property to do that but tonight pastor is calling for some positivity about my brother and my sister some positivity about the ministry and the leadership and the preaching and the music and the teaching. I'm going to be an encourager of my brethren. I don't want to tear somebody down. I don't want to pull, my Lord, the world can tear you down. I'm going to lift somebody up. Come on, Brother Evan, keep leading those young people to prayer. Come on, young people, keep on praying. They're going to always get it right. No, but we're not worried about it. Come on and keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Come on, music team, keep on singing. I may not like like every song, but I'm not going to tell you which ones it is. Just keep on singing. I think Epaphras sounds a lot like some of you. If anyone had the right to judge the people, it would have been Epaphras because he, he had been pastoring them for a while. He knew their faults. I got a question for all the seasoned saints in this room tonight. I want to know what you're saying about the church. Come on now. I talk about, oh, we can go around and ask some of these as recently 
come through addiction programs and got delivered, recently baptized, recently filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, they're going to tell you, man, God's good and all the good things. I want to hear about some folks that's been walking for a while that's seen some faults and failures, some ups and downs. I want to hear what you got to say. Are you going to keep on speaking what God is doing good, what your pastor's preaching good? What the, are you going to keep? Come on, Epaphras. Is there an Epaphras that will rise up among these people and say, I refuse to let a negative word go across my social media account go across my cell phone I've been talking up to people I ought to not talk to you ought to repent over it tonight and make up your mind if I talk about the church if I talk about the people of God I am going to speak about the love your words saint child of God seasoned saint your words may be the difference in the success and the failure of everything this church does. I love every one of you, but I'm going to tell you who keeps the lights on around here. It's the people that have stayed when it would have been easier to have left. It's the people who stood through thick and thin, who stood in the good weather and the bad weather, who stayed with the church when things were. That's who I'm, I'm not tipping my hat to you tonight. There's been some faithful people around here that have stood through troubled times. Uh, hey, you want to know who you need to get close to? Oh, they may not be flashy. They may not, they may not have the zeal and energy to be able to run around the church and dance in the front with these young people, but go pull up beside them and say, tell me about serving God. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about faithfulness. Tell me about the goodness of God. You want to know who you need to pattern after? It's not some Johnny come lately that looks cool and grabs a microphone, but it's somebody that's been faithful through the good and the bad, that has been faithful to God when it would have been easier to have walked away. Oh, somebody ought to thank God right now for the faithful people that kept the lights on before me and you ever got here. The church doesn't need another voice of criticism. Can I go a little further? I used to have some people come to me and say, you know, you preach right up to a point and then you get kind of, you get kind of squarely and you're afraid to go ahead and call white, white, black, black, say it like it is. And I really wasn't. But the deal is they're probably the reason that I was a little nervous because they're the ones that would be smiley to my face and critical behind my back. But that spirit's gone. So I'm going to preach to a church that's ready to grow. I'm going to speak to a church that's ready to see some good things happen. Some of these young men walk to this pulpit and preach or lead service or testify or lead prayer. And you may say, well, they've got some growing to do. Keep it to yourself. Encourage them. Tell them how good they're doing. Lift them up. Strengthen them. Come on, somebody. It doesn't have to be your pastor in this pulpit in order to have a move of God or some great prophet or evangelist. God can move with the, with the simplest of children walking to this platform and quoting a scripture 
together. You need to applaud them. Children's service last week, one was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, God can use children. Well, when we were kids, you know, all that jumping and carrying on, I don't see any reason for all that. When we were a kid, we were made to sit and be quiet. And how many of your generation's gone? If these children and young people bother you, come tell me. Don't tell them nor their parents. Because it's just going to come like water off of a duck when you come to me. I want these young people up here learning to be worshipers. I want these children up here learning to be worshipers. I want them to hear, oh, they may fall asleep in prayer meeting, but at least they're showing up. They may not always get everything right, but at least they're showing up. Come on, encourage them. I love it when you worship. I love it when you shout. I love it when you support the preacher. Come on, you need to encourage them when you see a new convert that may not have it all figured out. Come on, go up to them and encourage them and tell them, keep on, brother. Keep on, sister. You're doing good. My Lord, I feel the anointing tonight. I could preach on for a long time. I'm going to try to finish this message tonight. The church doesn't need another critical voice. Yes, it's an institution made up of imperfect human beings who bring into it the shortcomings of their faulty lives. And it stands in need of continuous correction. That's why God gave the gift of ministry to the church. For the edification, the building up. But also for reproof. For doctrine. For correction. The church stands in need of it. We have to, we have to accept it. If you don't like it. If every time the preacher preaches or the pastor has to pastor outside of the pulpit and you get upset over the pastor correcting, he's probably not really your pastor. Somebody said you're not looking for a covering, you're looking for a cover-up. You're looking for somebody to get up and tell you, yeah, you're all right, you're all right. Every now and then the word of God is going to come. It's sharp and it's going to cut. It's going to cut asunder. It's going to have an effect. The letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. Somebody has got to be willing to receive it when it's preached in love and preached as doctrine. It may not feel good when the correction comes. Feel the love in it and know it's not time for me to get bipolar and act all weird and goofy. It's time for me to to get to the altar and say come on pastor I'm going to live for God better I'm going to do it better I'm going to be more faithful than I've ever been I want to be in the word of God come on we've got to receive it with gladness I know the church stands in need of correction but it's not in need of criticism and if you're not part of the five-fold ministry of this church, your correction is not needed. Because that's left for the five-fold ministry. Correction, I'm going to say it again, correction is left for the five-fold ministry. Criticism has no place in the church. 
I didn't think that was going to fly very well around here, but I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't have something good to say, keep your mouth shut. If you've got something good to say, encourage your brother. Lift up the church. The truth is, perhaps those of us who love the church the most are the most severe critics of the church. We are awake to its failures and are ambitious for its progress. We desire with all of our hearts because we love with all of our hearts. And we are acutely aware of the shortcomings of the church because they are many. In our ambition for growth and revival, and ambitious for perfection and correction in the church, we are dangerously apt to overshoot the target and magnify the failures among the church in proportion to its achievements. And thus, by human nature, bad news sells. Negative things are what we usually prefer to talk about. Thus, we present the worst side of the church to the world. To a world that urgently needs to see the very best side of the church. For 2,000 years, this church... The church, not just this church. This church since 1965, part of the body of Christ, not the body of Christ. Let me say that for all of Facebook out there. We're not the church, we're part of the church. This church has been established since 1965. We're part of the bride of Christ. We don't have a corner on the market. But for 2,000 years, the church has been diagnosed autopsied, investigated, analyzed, scrutinized, criticized, studied, tried, tested, cross-examined, questioned and quizzed. And when the results come in, they will always come under the same heading. The news report comes back. Here is the problem with the church. No profession no business could ever survive if its leadership and its labors and its membership only spoke of what is wrong with the business. No company could survive it. In Acts, the Bible said that they persecuted the church. This means that they wronged the church, they harmed the church, they tortured it, they tormented the church, they attacked the church, they injured the church and grieved it, they antagonized and annoyed it and did all manner of things to try to hurt the church. 
Their whole intent in the book of Acts, the Bible said that they vexed certain of the church, meaning the leadership. They took out certain people in the church, the key people in the church. They reached in and they said, ha, ha, I'm going to get them and them and them because the rest of them, they ain't going to matter anyway. They ain't going to live right. They're just going to, but I'm going to choose this one and that one and that one and this one. And I'm going to pluck them out because if I can get them out, I got the whole crew. I got the whole kid in caboodle. And so the Bible said that they laid hands on King Agrippa, sought to lay hands on and vex certain of the church and uh, the, the whole intent and design was to stop the church but listen they, they never have been able to persecute the church out of existence every time that they vexed the church the church just got stronger mm. They provoked the church. They harassed the church. They disturbed the church and complained about it and stressed the church. They upset it and robbed it of its peace and tried to wear it away and close it down. But they could not stop the church. Ah, they, they killed the leaders and they crucified them and burned them and cut their heads off. But the church just kept on going. You want to know why that is? Because the book of Acts ends with a Greek word, which means the last word in the book of Acts in the original Greek. I picked this up at camp. If you were there, if you were there for the day service and heard Brother, Wo Brother Woodward, he said the last Greek word in the book of Acts translates to a word in English which simply means unstoppable meaning that the book of Acts ends with the word and it is unstoppable if you ever wondered if the book of Acts church is the right church watch this Jesus said to Peter upon this rock I will build my church. Hold on right now because this place is about to explode here in just a minute because when you get the revelation of what I am about to tell you, no telling what's going to happen in this house. Jesus looks at Peter, said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the original, the Greek words that are used there when Jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, in literal translation, what Jesus Jesus said about the church as he said the church is unstoppable Jesus ends the book of Acts the church is unstoppable if you ever wondered whether the book of Acts church and the church Jesus told Peter about is the same church he said they're both unstoppable and there's not two churches there is one church one bride Come on, are you glad to be part of the church? The church is unstoppable. The world wants to bring it down, but the church is unstoppable. The political arena would like to shut it down, but the church is unstoppable. Oh, you ought to thank God you're part of the church. This church is unstoppable. We may be down, but we're not out. We may be under it, but we're getting back up again. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. 
Inflation's up. Interest rates are rising. Political arena's terrible. Church is under attack. Lift up your head. For your redemption draweth nigh. And in the meantime, the church is on its way. Ah, the church has always done well in the worst of battles. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. It's destined to thrive in dying times. It's destined for victory in times of defeat because she is a glorious church. She is a splendid church. She is an honorable church. She is a magnificent church. Hallelujah. And she belongs to God and she is his bride and he is the bridegroom and he's done already preparing a place for you. He said, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the bride. Oh, aren't you glad you're part? Aren't you glad you're part? It's the church triumphant. It's alive and well.
Here's what I want you to do. Grab your kids real quick. If your children and families are here, I want you to get together in family units. If you don't have a family here, I want you to meet my wife right here in the front and center. She's going to gather with all the singles here in the front and middle right here. Gather around her. We're going to get together because here's what I want you to know. You don't want to be by yourself in these trying times. But in this last days, we've got to bind together and unify. But here's what I want to tell you. The families, the families that are going to prosper are the families that don't, they don't just give God what's left over. But they put God in the center. They put God in the center of everything. I want you to gather in real tight, huddle up with your family, and I want you just to make a commitment with them right now. God is going to be at the center. He's not getting leftovers. He's not getting what we have. He's not going to get what, what we can fit into the schedule. He is the center of our schedule. He is the center of our lives. Come on, make that commitment with them right now. God first. Everything else is second. Come on, my walk with God is first. You want your family to prosper? Put God in the center. Make God first. Come on, declare it in the name of the Lord right now. I'm not traveling this road alone. We're going to do this together. Come on, make that commitment to God right now. Come on, families that pray together, stay together. Families that worship together. Come on, moms and dads. Teach your children how to worship. Here's a good opportunity for you to show them the way they ought to worship. For you to show them the way they ought to praise. Come on, let your love, let your love be visible. Come on, let an Epaphras arise in this church. Let there be an Epaphras arise in every family. Come on, I'm going to speak of the goodness of God. I'm going to speak of what God is doing. Come on, declare it in the name of the Lord. Declare it in the name of the Lord. Come on now, if you're not, let me say this one more thing and then I'm going to get out of here. If you're not sold out, if you don't know that you're no, if you're not part of the church and absolutely got both feet planted solid in the church, you need to make that commitment tonight. If you've never repented of your sins, you ought to do it tonight. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have robes, we have water, we have a ministry team ready to baptize you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can receive it tonight. All you got to do is let somebody know. And there's enough ministers and prayer workers in this house that we'll pray with you till the Holy Ghost comes. Come on, you need to know that you know that you're part of this great church, part of what God's doing in these last days. Come on now, let's lift praise unto the Lord. It's gonna hinder me, nothing's gonna silence me. Shout it out if you believe I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed. Nothing's gonna hinder me, nothing's gonna silence me. Shout it out if you believe.